Hello, my beautiful people. Welcome back to the Healed and Healthy Podcast. I'm so excited you're here. I'm even more excited because of today's episode topic. Y'all, what is self-care? Let me tell you, I could go on for hours about self-care. I could. I don't think this is quite going to go on for hours, but let's jump in. I'm so excited. Hey. Okay, guys. Your girl's fired up. Today's episode is something very near and dear to my heart. It's all about self-care. Self-care is such a huge topic in both in and out of the workplace. And you guys, as someone who works in the field of mental health, there is a constant, I really hope you can hear the drawl in my voice, a constant discussion about what self-care is, why it's important, how to add to our already established self-care routine when we start to feel run down. So get ready for all the knowledge to be dropped because... Guys, I have been working on my self-care model since I was in my early teen years. I have devoted, let's see, how old am I now? 26? Yeah, I've spent the last 13 years learning how to take care of myself and how to really create a self-care model that fits my lifestyle. So, I hope you guys just heard me clap and rub my hands together because y'all are fired up. Let's dive right in and start by defining self-care, both sort of like the mainstream idea of what self-care is, and then what I'm going to call the real self-care. Talking about mainstream self-care, I really want to sort of describe this in the way I know we've all seen it on social media. Think about the last person you saw on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat talking about having a self-care day. Fuzzy socks, bubble baths, nail appointments, face masks, spa days. I'm willing to bet right now if any of y'all opened up Facebook or Instagram, someone is talking about taking care of themselves or having a self-care day. I, you could probably find a hundred different people, honestly, in an instant, talking about self-care, what they do for self-care. So here's the thing. All of those things of sort of mainstream self-care, like getting your nails done, face masks, getting regular haircuts or color, you know, all of that counts as self-care, absolutely. But those are what I like to call the self-care extras. Those are the things that we all naturally sort of clump together in this ball called self-care because we have this idea that getting our nails done is going to help us feel less burnt out at work. Or getting a massage is going to completely fix whatever we have going on. So, But here's the thing. They're all self-cares. They're all acts of self-care. They're just what I call the self-care extras. Because y'all, it is totally understandable if getting a nail like getting your nails done or a massage or a hair appointment or a face mask or spa day whatever yes that is going to make you feel better 
in the moment. That's what I call my self-care band-aid. So, we want to get down to the real juicy part. The nitty-gritty. The real self-care. As opposed to that mainstream, romanticized self-care. So, I'm here to ask you, what is the real self-care? Are you ready for the answer? Because, y'all, I'm so ready to give you the answer. Guys, the real self-care is literally taking care of yourself. It is literally taking care of your physical body, taking care of your emotional needs, and really feeding your soul, your spiritual self, what it needs. I know what you're thinking. Liz, come on, that's so basic. That's stuff you need to be doing every day. Let's dissect it a bit, okay? I know that every day you need to take care of yourself physically. Eating healthy foods, drinking enough water, getting enough sleep. Yes, we need to be doing that every day. But do you know what happens when you don't get enough sleep? When you don't drink enough water? When you don't necessarily eat the foods that are going to be fueling your body? Your body starts to let you know. By sleeping in past your alarms, you might get more frequent headaches, strange cravings. You might even put on a few extra pounds and you might not, I wish you could see my air quotes right now, you might not be going regularly enough. Think about that, you guys. Taking care of your physical body is the easiest thing to do but it's also the easiest thing not to do. I am the queen of I'm too tired. I don't want to cook dinner. This is dumb. Let's just order a pizza. Doing that once in a while is okay. When you're doing it once or twice a week, every week, that's when it starts to become a problem. Drinking enough water is probably the one thing that everyone on the face of this planet is struggling with right now. But think about it. If you're not drinking enough water, like y'all, you know your body's composed mainly of water, right? So if you're not drinking enough water, you're more apt to get headaches, experience more fatigue. Those basic things that are so easy to do are also so easy not to do. So it's very important to really take care of yourself on that basic need. All right. Make sense? Get ready for the gear switch, y'all. All All right, gear switch. What happens when you're not getting your emotional needs met? When you might not be getting those emotional needs met by like, I'm a hugger. So a lot of my emotional needs can be met by giving and receiving hugs. But what happens if you're not emotionally connecting with people the way you'd like to? What happens, you know, do you find yourself getting easily upset? Like on the verge of tears because the coffee shop doesn't have any caramel mocha ingredients for a latte? Do you find yourself searching for literally anything that will make you happy? Are you turning to food for comfort? Are you lacking the basic motivation to do things you enjoy? Are you going to skip out on something you enjoy to go home and sit on the couch and watch TV? 
or take a nap. Guys, taking care of your emotional health is so simple. Yet again, it's one of those things that because it is so simple to do, it is also so simple not to do. It can be as simple as journaling about those big emotions or uncomfortable feelings you're having. It could also be talking to a friend, a supervisor, a mental health professional about what you're feeling. Or if you're a person like me, letting your significant other in on what you're experiencing and then letting them know ways they can help you. Getting it out in the open is such an important part of taking care of yourself. You have a huge support system, so use it. Because our emotional needs, we are all emotional beings. So if we're not getting our emotional needs met at work, at home, or wherever we are, how are we going to be able to show up for other people emotionally? I take this a lot to my friends with kids. Like, if you're not taking care of your emotional needs, how are you going to be able to meet those emotional needs of your children? You can't pour from an empty cup. This is that same idea. If you're not doing things to naturally build yourself up, how are you going to be able to build anyone else up? So now that we've done that, we've talked a minute about that, one final gear switch before we dive on in. Ready? So spiritual health. I know that everyone believes in something different. Whether you follow mainstream religion, you believe in God or the universe, spiritual health is something that I have found often gets overlooked. So very briefly, I used to be super religious. And when I left that particular religious community... I always was trying to find a way to fill that void because my religious community was so tight-knit. It was a safe place. I knew that I could go and I knew that these people cared about me on a deep, intimate level. And I knew that like, they were my people. And I knew that I felt more connected to myself and my religious beliefs when I was with them. So I have since learned that taking care of your spiritual health is the same, at least for me, is the same as connecting with your inner self. I talked about this briefly in the previous episode, that little voice in your head that says, go do all the things. Liz, you are great. Liz, you are powerful. That's your highest self. That is That voice aspires us to greatness. That voice knows that we are capable of so much and wants to push us to do all of the things. So spending time with our highest self and that little voice is so important to our continued growth and evolution as humans. So whether you connect with your highest self by going to a church or doing meditation or reading a spiritual text, Getting into a discipline of connecting with your inner guide, with your God, with universe, whatever you want to call it, it'll keep your soul feeling full. So you're not searching for something to fill you up. Because I found when I didn't know 
how to fill that void. I was trying to fill that void with material possessions. I was trying to fill that void with a different community of people that didn't necessarily have the same values I did. I really struggled to feel like I was part of a community again until I spent a large amount of time connecting with my highest self, with that inner guide, with God, with the universe. Again, whatever and whomever you want to call it. So let it all sink in for a second. But seriously, I've dumped a lot of knowledge on y'all in a very short amount of time. So taking care of your basic needs and making sure that you're giving your body and soul everything it needs is really the foundation for self-care. Think of it like building a house. You can't throw up walls and a roof and call it a house and expect it to stand without that foundation. If you're not meeting your most basic needs, how is a mani-pedi or a massage going to help? Are you guys familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Because I feel like this is a really great part to just bring that on in there. So Maslow's hierarchy of needs states that we cannot continue to progress through life and through different stages of life without certain levels of our needs being met. So the most basic need we have is shelter. Are we safe? So most of us right now are safe in our homes. We feel protected. We're warm. We're out of the elements. Great. The next one is our physical health. Are we food? Do we have food to eat? Are, or are we food insecure? Or are we just not necessarily thinking about what we're eating and just, you know, essentially putting garbage food in our body. I'm not here to throw shade, guys, but there's something to be said about the quality of food we're eating. So if we're not taking care of our physical body, we're not going to be able to take care of our emotional needs. If we're not taking care of our emotional needs, we're not going to be able to take care of our spiritual needs. I really wish I could show you guys the visual of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Go Google it. I think it's a phenomenal parallel to what I'm talking about here. So are you guys picking up what I'm putting down? In the words of my husband, are you smelling what I am stepping in? Well, are you? So now that I've sort of laid the foundation for you guys of the real self-care, I kind of want to go into what each of those self-care moments or those self-care pillars look like. So what does physical self-care look like? You guys, it looks like a lot of different things. It, a healthy variety of food. I mean, you can't tell me that you feel your best eating nothing but hamburgers and french fries and chocolate milkshakes all the time. Don't get me wrong. Once in a while, those things are going to make you feel pretty amazing and you're going to love them and you're going to savor them and you're going to enjoy them. But having a healthy variety of food, along with really starting to think of food as fuel. 
I'm not telling you you can't enjoy the cookies. I'm not saying you cannot have a piece of cake. I am telling you that if you're not eating because you feel stressed, you feel like you don't have time or you're not prioritizing it, you're not going to feel your greatest. And I'm telling you that if you're stressed or feeling some type of way and you try to eat a Twix bar to feel better about yourself, also not going to make you feel that great. Physical health and physical self-care really starts with what you're putting in your body. Like, are you going to put unleaded gasoline in a Ferrari? Probably not. It's okay to do that if you're holding yourself off, you know, like those would be the cookies and the cakes and the candies. But think about that. You're going to put the best fuel in a sports car that you possibly can get your hands on to keep it running in great shape. So by putting the best variety of foods you can in your body is going to help with some of those things we were talking earlier, like making sure you quote unquote are going regularly enough, making sure like you might have less frequent stomach aches. Like y'all, my stomach will tell me when I ate something that I should not have and it'll let me know real quick. But again, physically taking care of yourself. That could also look like doing some daily movement, whether that would be going to the gym, doing weights and cardio. Maybe you're just taking a walk around the block on your lunch break. Maybe you're taking the stairs at work instead of the elevator if you work in an office building. Doing yoga, Pilates, something to get your body moving in a way that it doesn't get to, you know, in your typical job setting or when you're at home. And the best part about that movement is that it directly connects to our sort of emotional health because you always have a heightened level of endorphins after some kind of exercise, even if you're just walking for a mile or around the block or walking up a few flights of stairs at the office, going to a yoga class, Pilates, the gym, whatever it may be, is going to also help support your emotional health because of that rush of endorphins. So, feel good? We're going to wrap up physical self-care and we're going to use that movement moment to just transition so smoothly into emotional self-care. So, since that whole movement comment sort of slides nice and easy into this emotional self-care topic, I'm going to really start talking about emotional self-care because y'all this one is so complex it blows my mind sometimes so one of the what I love so much about emotional self-care is there's so many different facets of it so movement is definitely a facet of it you know supporting the endorphins that our brain naturally produces it makes us feel a little lighter we have a little bit more pep in our step really just de-stress so another thing that we can do for, to emotionally take care of ourselves is journaling. I'm a huge fan of journaling because I can't always talk about what I'm feeling or process it verbally, but y'all give me a pen and paper and I can get it all out and process through it. I've kept a journal since I was 
probably since I was old enough to write and it's become such a safe haven as a place to like let it all out without judging whatever I'm writing and feeling and really process all the things going on in my mind. So now if you're not a quote unquote writer, that's okay. There's always another avenue for that emotional self-care. You can lean on friends, a supervisor at work, coworker, spouse, really any trusted other adult. And if you're a child, teenager, preteen, whatever you want to call it, any trusted adult in your life, talk through all the good, all the bad, all the ugly, all the things. And this is the key that I have found, at least. Let them know if you want help solving something or if you just need to vent and let it all out. I'm also a really big advocate that if you don't feel comfortable talking to the people in your life that you know about what's going on or causing you to feel feelings of stress, feelings of anxiety, feelings of depression, it might be time to try talking to a therapist. Y'all, I have been seeing a therapist for 14 years and I have absolutely no shame in saying that. Any and everything that I could possibly imagine to talk about, I have talked about. And sometimes having that objective pair of ears can be so helpful. I've also found it helps me from keeping things bottled up. So I'm less likely to have a shaken soda moment if you catch my drift. The other thing you can do for emotional self-care, and I don't know if I've talked with you guys about this, but I know I've talked on Instagram and Facebook about this, is get an energy bubble. It is a, um, a tool that I was given in the Brightest Light Mastermind that really taught me how to not absorb everyone else's low vibe. So my energy bubble is something that I can step into and not absorb everyone else's junk. It's a place that I can step into and be around those energy vampires which is a whole nother thing (laughs) y'all and still feel good without carrying their baggage with me so an energy vampire y'all we all know them we all have them once i describe them i'm willing to bet you could name five energy vampires in your life right now some of it might just be limiting time with them so an energy vampire is anyone who constantly is speaking about portraying the negative. There's one person in my life in particular who every time I talk to them, it's nothing but the negative and you didn't do this and you didn't do that and Liz, stop doing this and Liz, you need to be doing this for me. Oh, excuse me, hiccup. So I found that by limiting my interactions with those energy vampires and really creating a strong energy bubble that I can get into and know that I don't have to carry their baggage. I don't have to carry their low vibe. I don't have to carry their negativity around with me has been a tool that I have found so helpful, especially in the mental health field where it's really easy to bring all of those things home with you because you do care so deeply about the people you're working with and the people you're helping but it's also really important to keep that boundary and 
let their stuff be their stuff and let your stuff be your stuff. Whew, y'all, we're about to get to the good stuff. The spiritual self-care. Are y'all ready? All right, y'all, spiritual self-care. So regardless of what you believe in, God, universe, inner guide, highest self, having some sort of a spiritual connection is so important. It allows us to connect with ourselves, our fellow humans, and it reminds us that it's more than just us in this world trying to get by. It also allows us an opportunity to turn our attention inward on self-reflection and it can help us cultivate everything from building more compassion and empathy to quieting our minds. I know this is all going to sound a little woo-woo, but hang with me, y'all. As I was doing all sorts of research in really the beginning of finding my new spirituality practices, I did a lot of reading. And one of the things that every article, every scientist, every researcher, every spiritual guide sort of brought up was that spirituality affords us the opportunity to meet the challenges that we experience in our life, but it also allows us to continue living a life with purpose. So that's huge. Oh my gosh. But I need to focus back to my nice little bullet points here so I stay on track. (laughs) By going to church and using meditation and other spiritual means, whatever you believe in, whatever you do regularly, these practices allow us to recognize that we're all connected. And recognizing and validating that we're all connected can help us individually give more forgiveness. This is the other thing I found, that... There is so much research supporting that being able to genuinely find and give forgiveness to others helps our physical health. Everything from lowering our blood pressure in that instant to helping us feel calm and collected and more self-regulated. So connecting spiritually allows us to find and heal those disowned parts of ourselves. Spirituality is such a broad topic and I'm trying to give you a little taste of everything. So this next part is really going to be my experience with finding spirituality and what I've had to do to really focus on this practice. Anyway, for years, I was avoiding acknowledging um, the part of me that wants to succeed. Success always came with a large amount of guilt for me. I don't know if I was guilty because I was doing something that made me better than someone else. I don't know if it was guilt around having more money. I don't know where that guilt started. But anytime I experienced success, I also experienced an overwhelming feeling of guilt. And through my spiritual practice, I was able to forgive that feeling of guilt and sort of heal my relationship with myself and success. I realized I wasn't succeeding because of the guilt feeling. I never wanted to find success because feeling success meant feeling guilty afterwards. So instead of being successful and having to live with that guilt, I would self-sabotage all of my success efforts. It was a lot 
of freaking work to come to that realization. But it bled into so many parts of my life. For as long as I can remember, y'all, I was self-sabotaging. It could have been self-sabotaging a healthy eating lifestyle, self-sabotaging myself at social events, self-sabotaging job interviews by just being a terrible candidate and going um and hen and ha and not really answering or being so visibly nervous with for things I didn't have to be nervous about. It has always been such a big theme in my life. I fear success and guilt so much that I would rather self-sabotage so I can maintain that story, that fear story that... I am not successful, therefore I am just as good as everyone else and I'm not better than anyone else. So this has been a huge spiritual undertaking to sort of forgive myself for all the things that I did to hinder my own success over the years. I know that this is a lot to digest and the spiritual practices that I really implemented to be able to recognize my self-sabotaging behavior and then heal it came in the form of affirmation cards, came in the form of daily meditation, came in the form of literally expressing to other human beings that success makes me feel guilty. And I know that this is so overwhelming. There's so much in this episode. Oh my gosh. But These three things that I've talked about are really the foundation of self-care. Once we've established discipline around our self-care foundation, our physical self-care, our mental and emotional self-care, and our spiritual self-care, then we can add the fun extras. Like y'all, if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, you know I love getting my nails done. I get my nails done every two weeks. It's probably one of my favorite extras of self-care. Once your foundation is set, make a list of fun self-care extra activities to add to your routine as needed to keep you feeling refreshed and ready to tackle whatever comes your way. Well, my loves, that was a lot of info. I hope you were able to digest some of it. And as always, if you feel stuck, overwhelmed, please reach out. Let's schedule a coaching call. Let me help you, boo. So moral of the story for today, take good care of yourself, my love. And I'll see you soon on the next episode of the Healed and Healthy Podcast.